complaining in the pub meantime. All right, welcome, uh, Swing Thought people. Uh, it's the, uh, the golf podcast for a certain style of golfer, a very discerning. There's no judgment in that? Nope. There's no judgment? We'll take any kind, but uh, it's uh, episode 83, you say? Yes. Fantastic. Uh, brought to you by uh, TaylorMade Adidas as well. The Tour Striker imp- <laughs> Impact Snap and the Tour Striker Smart Ball. A deal worked out about mm, 45 minutes ago. <laughs> That's right. If you want to go back a couple episodes, you can hear how it happened. Uh, but we're really excited. We want to get right to our guest today uh, because very few people in golf have the uh, credentials of this gentleman. He is uh, highly respected throughout the international golf community. He has uh, given instruction clinics at 30 PGA of America sections and was honored, has the honored status of becoming only the 23rd PGA of America master professional. And yet he's got a, after all that being said, his latest book is called Play Golf to Learn Golf. What an honor, sir, to have Michael Hebron. Hello, how are you, Michael? Good morning. How you doing? We're great. How are you doing? Thank you. For, I'm always doing good. You think you're doing bad, somebody else is doing worse. That's true. <laughs> um, oh. Mike, oh. we do a show about the mental side of the game, but we also delve into how people learn, and, and no one knows more about how golfers learn, I would say, than, than someone like yourself. So what have you? What, what, what was your journey from you know, the technical to where you're at now? Well, about halfway through my career, I had uh, recently had the honor of uh, being named the PGA of America's Teacher of the Year. And I, I recognized that some of the folks who were spending time with me, some weren't making the kind of progress I thought they could make. Well, they weren't getting better. Uh I don't, I don't know that I would use that <laughs> word. Um, they just, I, I wasn't, my curiosity led me in the direction that I was only coaching with one side of the story. Uh, apparently, the information I was using was, uh, uh, I was being recognized and receiving awards and attention for my books and lectures and things. But uh, I realized that was only one side of the story. The other side is how that information is learned. How our skills and information actually learn. So my curiosity led me in the direction of studying how the nature of learning in the brain, how the brain is actually connected to everything we do, including the nature of learning. So I... Uh, I took 90 hours of courses at Harvard University, connecting mind brain to education institute. Spent another 80 hours at uh, teaching with the brain and mind workshops run by Eric Jensen. Uh, I was invited out to UCLA to spend time with Dr. Borg at their learning lab. And every day uh, since that time, I've uh, continued to try and uh, expand my insights into how people learn. That's how I got started. Mm-hmm. 
And what a, what an interesting, um, you know, for a guy like you that wrote a book called See and Feel the Inside, Move the Outside, you were always very, you know, uh, adept and professional and, and proficient at talking about, as you say, one side of the equation. And how has your teaching changed that you're now doing work on the other side of it? Well, yeah, you know, uh, and I'm not the first to say that it's not what we say, it's how we say it. And some ways of sharing, some methods of sharing information actually suppress learning. And some, and then the, the process, the process supports learning. The method tends to have an expected outcome, an expected goal. Um, let's say efficient impact conditions. That's the, the goal of this this lesson, or, or when people are learning. Uh, a learning approach is a flexible and portable approach. Um, for instance, um, if you drop the glass of water, you've done everything perfect to drop the glass of the water. If you've sliced the golf ball, you've done everything perfect to slice the golf ball. A 30 candy capper doesn't have anything wrong with their golf game or golf swing in a learning environment. In a teaching environment, they make it a list of 10 things. Back to a learning environment, learning environments are safe, playful, and smart. It's emotionally safe. In a learning environment, people have things that aren't developed yet. It's just not there yet. As opposed to telling somebody something's wrong and how to fix it. Uh, fixing isn't learning. If I burn a pie, you can't fix it. If you miss a pot, you can't fix it. It's over. What, what really... Are we still together? Oh, oh yeah, we we're just we're doing something we we like to call listening, which not we're not very good at, by the way, Mike. Okay, okay. you're doing great stuff. If you can maybe just get Mike, if I could ask you just to get a little closer to your phone, just just okay. Thank you. If I if I uh, if I miss a foul shot or a putt when I'm practicing, is it better or different if I make it? It's different. It's not better. Better doesn't exist. Right. Better is, an ego -driven, better is an ego driven description. It's different. It's higher, it's lower, it's left, it's right. And it can't be fixed. It's older. It's actually your teacher for what to do different. Mm -hmm. Somebody tells me they're slicing the golf ball, and I say, uh, Mr. Smith or Johnny or whoever, uh, if you wanted to hit that shot on purpose, what would you do? If they describe something that's pretty, pretty close, I would say just leave one of those things out. Leave the cause out. They know if they know the mechanical reason for doing that. I just say leave that out. I see myself as a caretaker of learning skills, not a provider of information. Right. Right. If we took somebody to a ski slope who had never skied before or an ice skating rink who had never ice skated before, or to a driving range who had never 
played golf before and said, pick out somebody who you'd like to look like in the future. Would they pick out Orthodox or unorthodox? They'd pick out Orthodox. Yeah, I'd like to see like that guy someday. Yeah. But they don't need a teacher. They already know that that's the deal. Mm-hmm. They need a referee of what's relevant, a traffic cop for ideas. Uh-huh. They need to have their insights changed. You can't change a habit. You can't change a habit. What's interesting about skiing, people drive to go skiing, fall down, and tell you they had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, because they don't They don't the judge themselves as they, yeah. yeah. Of course, the culture is, an, uh, is not an ego-driven exhibition. It's the culture, the culture of skiing, or say barbecuing. <laughs> you know, we're, we're not very good cooks, but we love to barbecue. Sure, yeah. Because it's an experience. When people make golf an ego-driven exhibition of how far or how low, it becomes a judgmental situation that suppresses learning. I call it outstruction. It's not instruction. The answer is in the student, and we, as coaches, have to help them find it. To draw it out. To draw yeah, it out. So, so, Mike, I'm going to insert myself here. Um, you used a very interesting word uh, a moment ago, and that is culture. And so uh, it's really interesting to me is that you have carved out a very interesting spot for yourself in this world of golf instruction, which works within this culture. And the culture that we see on the Golf Channel, uh, Golf Digest, in the Instagram feeds, etc., is Hey, folks, here's how to do it right. You want to hit it farther. You want to hit a soft draw. Do this. Do that. That's the culture that that's the primary culture that most golfers and a lot of people who listen to this podcast live within. That they're trying well, they're trying to reach them to adhere to a model. They're trying to do it right like Rosie or like Michael Bree teaches them. And is it your experience that I, that culture it actually inhibits people from getting well, having more fun. The way I would express your insight is golf industry is promoting perfection over participation. Mm. You know, the, the only way, if I was a ski instructor, uh, the first half hour I would push everybody down and get them all to fall down for 10 or 20 minutes. Get them to understand that you can't get hurt, it's part of the process. Or the best companies in the world consistent. No. The best companies in the world handle inconsistency better than everybody else. Competition. Mm-hmm. When Tiger won two majors in 06, he was way down on ball striking. He was the best adjuster. Here on Earth, 50 species a day become extinct. We're still here because we adjust better than everybody else. We have learned how to handle inconsistencies in our life. And then when we go to the golf course, or sometimes for work, we put ourselves in a situation where we don't accept inconsistency. If Mr. Smith hits three or four good shots that he, he, he likes, and he hits one he doesn't, and I'm with him, I say, well, why do you think that happened? Like, well, my hips, my this, this. Well, oh, no, that's not why it happened. It happened because you're human. And part of the process 
biochemically necessary for mistakes to happen. The brain sometimes does things a little off, so we'll learn. Uh, when I was up at Harvard, it's one of the ways that that they look at it. It's we're not giving we're not giving. We shouldn't see ourselves as giving students information. We should see ourselves as giving people the tools to learn things. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with this sentence? Every child has the right to receive a good education. That should be edited to every child has the right to receive the tools to gain an education. You can't give an education. If you want to learn to hit 10 foot putts, hit it way by, hit it way short, hit it way by, hit it way short, now try it for the middle. The brain has to have the experience of left, right, long, short to find the center. Mike, if I may interject, and what an interesting example, because as I said in the beginning when we introduced you, you were, you know, a classic and very, very highly regarded technician. Pardon me? Very technical teacher. Right. What I'm saying, and and you spend, as you said, the first half of your career in the culture of golfers, which is, and we've talked about this on our show many times, that it's a guru-based culture where I'm the guru, I have the answer, it's the A swing, it's the plane swing, it's this swing, I teach it to you, you go and try and um, judge yourself against this absolute model, and in the end, uh, people still slice the ball 40 yards. And now, well, in, in the new world of Mike Hebron, the play golf to learn golf world, it really is... Uh, symbolic of how I think learning in general has changed? Well, my uh, my most current book uh, is called Learning with the Brain in Mind. And uh, one of the leading neuroscience guys in the world edited for me. And it, uh, and it points out that uh, when you are doing something Learning is a doing process. We're human beings, we're not human followers. Uh, the, sw- the swing model, there's only one swing model. The golf course is the swing model. It's telling you to hit an eight iron, it's telling you to hit a high, it's telling you to hit it left, it's telling it to your right. And it's the golf club laws, not the ball flight laws. The golf club has a shaft, the head, and the face. Three employees. Where that shaft head and face should be is not based on some professional golf swing. It's based on what the golf course is asking you to do. The golf course is speaking to us. Everything works backwards from the environment in life. Every business works backwards from the customer. You dress according to the weather. Um, have you ever bought milk? Yes, sir. No, you didn't. Have you ever bought a jacket? I think so. <laughs> Did you ever buy a car? Maybe. Okay. I think this is a trick question, Michael. No, it's not. It's not. It's a, my job, I see my job is changing insights, not habits. You can get Mr. Smith to see it a little bit different. He's got a chance to make progress. So we bought the milk, we bought the jacket, and we bought the car. If the milk was sour, we don't have a complaint. If the jacket didn't keep us warm, we don't have a complaint. If the car didn't work, we don't have a complaint. We bought the benefits. 
the benefits of milk, the benefits of the jacket, the benefits of the car. The benefits that exist in a learning environment do not exist in a teaching environment. In a teaching environment, it's here's my money, tell me what to do, tell me how to fix it. That is anti-brain. The brain doesn't learn like that. We don't ask people, we ask people what to do, not how to do it. For instance, let's say a golfer had a swing that was, if your audience understands, too flat. A, a, a back swing that's sure. going around but in, in a learning environment, all that would be said to them is, let me see you swing the, the golf club that you think is too high. You wouldn't tell them the first one was wrong, and you wouldn't show them anything. If somebody swings it too flat, and you ask him to swing it too high, he's probably, he or she, is probably going to be right where they should be. All learning, there is no new learning. New, new learning is a combination of what we already know with what's coming in new. If we say to somebody, could you please say that again? It's because it didn't relate to something we know. It doesn't even have to be on the same subject. Uh, Mrs. Smith, what would happen if you made the putting stroke feel like you were tossing a set of keys? Um, Mr. Jones, what would happen if, it, if the rhythm of your golf swing felt like the rhythm when you were ice skating? Hmm. Everything has to be based on a past experience right. for these, to leave short-term learning to go into long-term learning. The, uh, I make a big deal out of time. You have to plant seeds at a certain time, leave the house at a certain time, um, plant, uh, do a lot of things at a certain time. Time is the common denominator. Golfers don't get out of swing, they get out of time. On the professional level, when they make a swing they're not happy with, technically it might be off, but it's off because they're out of their rhythm. Rhythm, that's what you mean by time, okay. Time leads to everything. A, a putting swing and a driving swing takes the same amount of time from start up to impact. That's a principle from physics called resonance. But your putting swing, I, I'll, I'll hit a little putt for somebody and I'll say count 1,001, 1,002, 1,006. Now I'll make a big swing and say count again and it's the same. That's a heck of a caddy to bring on the golf course with you. Everything is based on the rhythm and time that you are playing at. So, Mike, I want to, yeah, so I, I want to ask you, time is a, like, so right now in matter of time, most, a lot of the people who listen to our program are in Canada, and, and so they're they're trying to work on their game in the winter. You're very fortunate to be down in, in Florida, and I'm a little bit jealous of that, but, so I would say a lot of people are, say, working on their golf swing this time of year indoors, and they're, they say they're going to maybe just do something in their swing. And so they've, it might be something they learn from their instructor in the fall about trying to get on plane or turn their hip or something like that. What do you think is a way that someone during the winter could develop their swing and learn more, and to use that keyword? Or as to what you said, to be their own referee for what's relevant. Yes, here. My go-to idea is um, you don't take a hammer and go swing the hammer down in part, dot dash bang. 
you don't take a hockey stick and turn swing it into parts or tennis racks. I ask people to to make a parting stroke. First thing I do, with, you know, I coach somebody that's won the Open, somebody that's won the Masters, somebody that's won the PGA. People have won on tours, all the tours all over the world. Uh, whether it's them or a club golfer, the first thing I do is I have them putt. And I watch them putt. And sometimes the stroke is what I call a one, back and through. And sometimes the stroke is a one, two. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, the person that does a one, I'll say, what do you think most coaches would like about your putting style? Oh, my, my eye. I said, no. They would like the, the pace of your stroke. It, it didn't do anything when it got, got near the golf ball. It was just swinging. The basic idea in basketball is shoot up. The basic idea in tennis is get it over the net. The basic idea in golf is swing the weight of the golf club in rhythm. Now, the person who has a one-two, I might say, what areas do you think there's an opportunity for you to, uh, to do that different? And they say, well, maybe my eye. I said, no. No. Put the club in your hand, one-handed, and make your putting stroke. I said, that's your, yes, it's, it's so smoother. And the whole idea in the beginning is to get them to understand most of my time together with people, I call it sessions, because the lesson is what they take away. It's not what I say. The session is going to be about timing and rhythm, because that allows everything else to happen. Mm-hmm. If you're out of time, nothing can work. The other point I make to people is, you say, pretend you're in medical school. Could you, and you had a roommate. Could you help each other get through medical school? Sure. Say you were in law school. The two roommates help each other get through law school. Sure. Could you teach? Could you teach each other to be a doctor? No. You can't teach somebody to do things. You can help them learn. That's why I play golf to learn golf. Well, anyway, I was going to somebody. Do you know what the Series 7 is that the Wall Street guys take? Series 7? Yeah, it's a test they take to get their license. Okay, what is it? You, you could probably help somebody pass the Series 7 test, but you couldn't teach them to be a broker. You can't teach somebody to be a parent. You can't teach anything. You help people learn things. Well, I, I want to get to a couple of things before we let you go. I, I want to mention this. I'm looking at uh, learning with the brain in mind, and one of the parenthetically below it said mindsets before skill sets and Correct. you know i um this is how we're talking i also beside being a golfer i have i've got several pilots licenses and one of the things we say in aviation is that getting a license uh isn't doesn't teach you to fly a plane what a, a pilot's license gives you is a license to learn more and it's pretty high stakes because if you learn if you don't learn you can you know you can hurt yourself and there's a very you know there's the thing about flying there's some mechanical aspects to it but there's also you know there's kind of a um I was going to say a physical aspect, but you can't be thinking about how to do it while you're doing, which is similar to a golf swing. Sometimes in flying, you just have to do it. Unconsciously. Unconsciously. Because there's too many things in flying to remember them all at one time. 
So it's similar to golf. We we tend to as golfers try and remember so many steps we've we've heard, and yet our best golf is usually. And Coach Tim here has said this so many times. It's when we get out of our own way. It's when we turn our brains over to the physical manifestation of a golf swing versus trying to do it correctly. Yes, mindset before skill sets addresses the fact that everything we do happens in the brain first. Every, whether I speak or move, everything's happening in the brain first. And your style of coaching or helping somebody has to be brain compatible. No emotional judgment. Uh, it wasn't a bad shot. It was a shot that went too long, too short, long, short, left or right. It is what it is. And you play one you play one shot at a time. There's a great book, uh, Golf from Point A, by Susan Meyer, who is a uh, top 100 teacher. But uh, I got hold of the book, and it's a deeper understanding of playing one shot at a time. It's called Golf from Point A. Hey, Mike. We've both written it down. <laughs> Mike, um, in, in the last couple of minutes, and, and we really appreciate uh, There's Honestly, there's not enough time in the day to get everything. God, no. But what I, Tim mentioned before we started recording, uh, that you have a connection to a very good friend of both of ours, uh, Ben Kern, the late Ben Kern. I did. I, ben, uh, I, I, uh, I organized the first PJ of America Teaching and Coaching Summit, and I asked George Newton to talk, and he agreed. And then the, in the time of putting it together, he got sick, and Ben took his place. And Ben and I became great friends. We lost him too early. And I helped Ben put together the first Canadian teaching summit. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben uh, Ben would be a, an example of uh, coaching, playing, and how to be a true PGA professional. Ben was an outstanding human being. Well, I was a member at the club that Ben was the pro at for many years, and uh, I was lucky enough to play to play golf with Ben, which was interesting because he was such a high-level player, but as a guy, as a teacher, as a person, it was just, for me, I used to be fascinated just watching how he went about his business. And there was a guy, this is the last thing I'll tell you, Mike, is there was a guy that played on the PGA Tour, but could hit such a, you know, but, you know, Traditionally, we would call it a horrible shot and get such delight out of it. It was a great example for not getting your ego in the way because, you know, a lot of people is like, well, I'm a former tour player. I've got to hit every shot perfect. But Ben taught me that sometimes you just don't, it doesn't work out. It doesn't mean you're a bad guy. Well, it's, it's happened because we're human. Yeah. Keep this in mind. Birds fly, fish swim, people feel. Everything we do is based on emotion. Words are our most powerful performance-enhancing drug. The way we talk to ourselves, the way our coaches talk to us, influences learning. It either suppresses it or supports. Keep in mind it's going to be inconsistent. Uh, it's part of the deal. But learn from, I call them, it's not, a, it's not an unwanted outcome. It's an unworkable outcome. It can work. And you're going to learn to do it different because of that. Uh, Michael Hebron, the uh, the book you'd like us, uh, our folks, to go and check out, Learning with the Brain in Mind. And, uh, wow, what a great uh, honor to speak with you. And thanks for taking some time. 
Well, it's, it's my honor. There's a lot of people you could have asked. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk golf with you guys. Um, Mike, thanks very much, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk again. Good luck, guys. All right, Mike. Thanks, friend. Mike. There's Mike Hebron. All right, everybody say goodbye. Um, interesting, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> When you have a conversation with Mike Hebron, uh, it's not... Uh, it's not too light. I mean, he goes right so deep and so, wow. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in that that you could take away from that. I love that. What what was it? The referee. Birds fly, birds fish fly, swim, swim, and human beings feel. feel. Which you could adapt to acting. Everything. To all you know, of that. What he said about the what, the words we, you know, it, there's so many connections. The words we, the words are the most important, uh, what do you say, performance enhancing, enhancing drug I mean, it's Carl Morris and the stories we tell. It's, you know, um, what was the last book I read? Uh, oh, I even I read an old Rotella book, you know. It really is the key to the kingdom, really, is if, if you can make yourself a better stories you, we tell ourselves, the better outcomes we can have, whatever the outcome is, you know. I mean, you coach a lot of people. And, and obviously, I mean, you're a guru of sorts, but really in the end, it's you're out there by yourself. And if something you've said to me or another one of your students, if it can make the experience better, well, then that's the win, I guess. It's not like, well, Coach Jim told me to breathe and look at the horizon. Those are all <laughs> those are all mechanisms to get you to the place where you're learning on your own, you know? Yeah, and so much of what he was talking about there was, yeah, how you can best set yourself up to learn. And just, I, I, I want to connect back to what you're talking about, language. It's so important. And, like, so when you hit a shot, it's not, as he said, it's not a bad shot. It's just... It just went maybe a different place than you expected or wanted it to go. It's not bad. It's actually, and when you hit a good shot, it's not good. It just is what it is. Mm -hmm. But when you call yourself, you hit a shot, you go, oh, you idiot. That sets so many things in motion and none of them are good. <laughs> you know, cortisol, you know, running through your system. And then you start going into judgment and you have to recover from that. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you can just kind of disassociate from that type of, evaluative comparisons judgment you put yourself in a place where you can be in your experience and learn what went on like and, and like feel it as opposed to trying to do this thing right you know because i think in so many ways us golfers we're recovering perfectionists well and, and the work that tim does um outside of golf uh the years that you've spent Exploring the world of men and how we think, feel, act, and react, and how we we're reactors, we don't respond, and all that other stuff. Like, I think it uniquely qualifies you in a way that maybe just a regular golf guy, like you know, Carl Morris is great, and these guys we talked to were great, but they don't have quite the unique experience that you have, which is knowing that a lot of the things that we talk about on this show aren't just about golf. They're how we see ourselves. They're what we say to ourselves. It's why we get mad in traffic. It's why we have fractious relationships with family, friends, and others. I mean, golf is just the big metaphor for a lot of us to seek to be, you know, to transform ourselves. Yeah, wow. Very, a lot of interesting stuff there. And I think the thing that uh, I've really caught on lately is that what so many people feel stuck 
Whether, and, and so in their golf game, they're unable to, say, break a scoring barrier. They've been trying to go from a, a 10 to a 7 for yeah. years and not being able to do it. Or get better in their relationships. But uh, in certain things with, with the wife, it does, uh, they blow up or something. Or in their business. So I think what you're getting, what you're talking about there is getting kind of the under. The stuff that's we go on, we tell our stories, the way we judge ourselves those connections to feelings but oh my god you know I'll say something and how many dads have you talked to who go like oh my god that's my dad <laughs> I don't even think that way but that voice came out was my dad oh yeah so it's it's all in the same it's all in the same pool and that's what makes this game so interesting as you talked about it's just a metaphor for everything else and that connects to Marty Chuck we talked to uh, earlier today. I know you're hearing this podcast. Yeah, we're t- by times. the way, just full disclosure, we taped a bunch of them on the same day, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Live with it. That was convenient. and But but it's, it well, works nice. But You know, I think the if I go ahead, please finish. No, it's just that um, it's, are we willing to take the risks that are necessary? Right. Give up our old ways. You know, it's like it's so easy to step back into uh, discussion with with partner he she says something i get triggered so i yell or run away the risk is okay how about i don't yell or how about i don't run away how about i just stay here well what you deal with it what like you're a, saying about marty is people come to his school and they're like i want to change i want to change but then when they're confronted with changing something as simple as a grip they're like i don't want to change no, I don't want that. no i don't want to be discovered because i might be uh, let's see. I might be embarrassed when I show up on the first tee in a week. Uh, you know, my member guest. Um, well, I, well, all of that stuff. You know, uh, I, uh, I mentioned I'm in. A, you know, now I'm in the second year of this relationship. One of the things that I've brought to, I've wanted to bring to it is the idea, uh, the notion that I really don't want to. I'm trying to stay away from my own behaviors that are. You know, in relationships, I've tried to, I said to Rachel, I said, you know, like, we don't have to do things the way both of us have always done them. I said, we can have a relationship of our own design. And that's what I said. I So when I find myself reacting as I have because of relationships I have before, I stop myself and I say, oh, I'm sorry, that isn't you. It has nothing to do with you. That was just me. A little PTSD from a, yeah. um, <laughs> seriously, like I do. Yeah. I have some leftover. We all do. We but I all do. I, I've decided to bring it out in the open and just say, I trust you. This is going to be weird. I'm going to say some weird shit now. And uh, it's worked out, you know, and she's it's allowed her to also feel the comfortable saying some of the stuff. That, and it's been, you know, we don't really have a lot of arguments, she and I, but well, because we whenever we're feeling something that's a little bit off, you know, we have a little team meeting and uh, and it usually works out pretty well. Yeah. So far, you know, that's so grown up. Well, She's very grown up. <laughs> she, yeah, but you got to be a grown up. But you can yeah. be you can be grown up and be twenty, yeah, and be sixty or eighty and do this. But what you're talking about really is I come back to this all the time is awareness. Right. You catch yourself like, oh God, I'm back in the uh, I'm having the PTSD moment that related to girlfriend at eighteen or ex-wife or whatever. In my, in my case, a girlfriend that wasn't much older than 18. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. No, but you're responding. I think that's yes, what we're talking as opposed about. To react. Well, yes. how it relates back to golf is... Uh, oh, that thing, right. ...is building a game of your own design. 
And, uh, you know, I struggle with it about how do I show up? I want to be, I want to compete at this, but I think what I really want to get to one day before I hang it up is, is to, to really enjoy the process because I really love the game. You'll never hang it up. I love it so much that I, I don't want it to be something that doesn't bring me joy. Which is what we're all doing this for. Ostensibly, we like to shoot lower scores, have a better golf swing, hit it farther, all that stuff, sink more putts. But in actual fact, I think the bottom line is we'd all like our experience to be a little more joy-filled versus ang- anxious and and a lot of like you know shitty feelings around it. Mm-hmm. You know, we spend a you and I people on we know spend a lot of time at this game. Right. Well, that's why I ask people, and, and like we're recording this, you're probably not going to hear this until maybe February, but it's early enough in the year yeah. to think about... I love that thing you said in your e-zine, by the way. Is it e-zine? Your whatever, your e-zine, blog. e-zine, whatever. Yeah, well, I'm, that's what I'm getting to, yeah. is that why are we doing this? Yeah. Connect to why you're doing it, and then you'll figure out basically what your purpose is in, in golf as opposed to I want to have less three putts this year I want to have less that I block it outright or hit it dead left yeah uh, I, I want all that <laughs> we all do yeah. we all do but I think it's um, it's way more important to first ask why am I doing this what's in it what do I really want and there's a lot of other questions that spill out of that is like how do I want to show up what kind of a partner do I want to be? And that could be partner in life, partner on the golf course. What kind of influence do I want to have on other people? What kind of sense of self-mastery do I want? You know, what exactly am I doing as opposed to am I pronating or supinating leading to a dead left yeah. shot? Well, it's a, it, we've had a lot of conversations on this day that we taped all these shows in between shows, on the shows. And uh, you two, well, it's interesting talking to Hebron because, you know, you and I are two guys that have definitely, because of our jobs and because of what we've done, had access to some of the best teachers, have had lessons from whether it's Kern or, you know, Rick Smith, who I've spent. Jim McClam. I mean, Scott Cowks, Mark Evershed, Foley, Casey. I could name dozens of them. But, you know, no, and, and no amount of expertise has been able to give me the skills that I've, I've seek what we were saying to each other off here, as I said, really the, the best lessons I've ever gotten is when I'm by myself. It's when I sort of play around with something that somebody, and all of a sudden, Oh, well, there's a feeling I haven't had before. Yeah. Those aha moments, those, those eurekas, all of that, the, or the phrase of today that I just caught on was the moment of consciousness yes. that Marty Chuck used. And, and I loved it. Like we did the show on lesson taking, if you will, uh, a while ago and I loved how he was saying that sometimes it'll take you'll have the lesson and then about two or three weeks later oh you get the learning got it but it's your own learning it's not you're trying you're not adhering to the Marty Chuck model that I must do this or the Jim McLean or whatever it's the Howard Glassman model you know who else says that to me all the time is Nicky Turquillo yeah you know Nick Nick is one of those guys he checked in with me a little while ago and I was telling him that oh this thing is starting to you know feel I'm starting to get the feel of it he goes well you know because you you know you it you know your as he said to me you know yourself sometimes it takes a while for it to get in there but we go to these lessons hoping that on that day, I will leave being a better player. Flick the switch. And Evershed was one of the first guys I ever heard say, I, don't, I'm not, I won't take anybody for one lesson. 
Well, that's interesting. Isn't that your job? He's like, no, if you won't sign up for five, then I can't help you. Right. Um, very good. So um, just briefly, uh, the uh, 2019 uh, PGA Tour season has started. Uh, this is a couple months. Well, it'll be about a month ago when uh, Xander Shoffley shot, I think, 10 62? under. 62. So right. that's was it 11 a, under? A lot. A lot under par. Uh, Gary Woodland uh, basically was leading the tournament, and he himself shot five under par on the last day, I think. And still got whipped. And he still got beat by one. But it was an interesting thing to watch because does Gary Woodland feel bad? I mean, he didn't win. He had the lead. Or does he feel like, I, I did everything I could today. And somebody just did a little bit better, marginally better. Missed a putt on the last hole for a playoff. So I wonder, what is the takeaway from that? I guess that even the very, very best golfers, no matter how good you play, there could be somebody without your control who could play a little bit better. I think the only thing that one can ever do is you can check in with yourself and know that I did my absolute best. Yeah, I prepared my best with the time I had and whatever's going on. I I had a game plan. I monitored myself really well. I did all those things. I I can look in the mirror and so I did my best, but my score was not the lowest. Mm-hmm. If you can say I did my best, you're a winner. That's yeah. the best you can do, and take the learning from that. I would imagine as a competitor. And these guys are are athletes, and they're out there to win. So it would sting. Yeah, it would hurt a little bit. But I don't think there's anything like, oh, man, I let that get away. Mm -hmm. There might be a shot or two they left on the course. But I think if if anything, you can say, I did my best. That's that's the key takeaway. You know who is – there's two guys to watch, I think, in 2019 for me. It's going to be interesting. Tiger isn't back yet uh, when we tape this. But Rory McIlroy oh, yeah. is having some mental issues, I think, because he's just such a fine swinger of the golf club. Um, he's not. He seems to be in a bad way when it comes to these final rounds. He was right. in, he was in the last group. I think he shot over par again. He was in the last group of the Tour Championship, shot over par. Masters last year. Yeah, shot over par. Yep. Um, because technically you can't. I, I I watch swings on Instagram now. It's my new thing. I told you, <laughs> but I you can go on and watch his swing any time of the day or night, and it's something to see. Oh, Same with, uh, you know, all these high level Cameron Champ is a freak of nature. Oh. But uh, I think Jordan Spieth is having some troubles. Spieth, I was going to say that too. Yeah, yeah. There's something going on between the ears for for those guys. Um, Jordan in particular, it seems. Yeah. Well, I've always had doubts about his ability to keep that going just because it just seems to me just from outside looking in obviously there's always so much going on in that brain of his uh the stops the starts the what do you think michael you know get the towel out Mm -hmm. i I just think there's a lot going on and i I remember the same with keegan bradley when he was younger he seemed to be able to do that stop start thing and spit and it used to drive me crazy Spin the uh, big oh, yeah. spinner all of the club. Stuff, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. And then what? Took him six, six years. eight years or so? Six. Yeah, to win again. And I, I think that a lot of it is is being able to sort of like find that calm, that port in the storm where the, where they can just kind of like 
stifle or quiet the thoughts a little bit so they can just just get into it and get her done as opposed to trying to do it right or I just think there's a lot going on and so to connect back to Rory I have a sense for Rory uh, just I'll throw this out and you can respond to it as you wish um, I don't think that Rory was trying to win the Masters last year I think he was trying to win the Grand Slam it was too, and it's too big. Mm-hmm. It becomes this thing, this huge thing, as opposed to let's just win a golf tournament. You hear it? Let's just play the next shot. Uh, well, if you bring it right, yeah, exactly. That's that's. I, I more, think what happened to Jordan's. Speech, I want to check out that book, golf. I, I'm I'm getting golfed from point A. Yeah, I'm going to get this learning with the brain in mind. That seems Both interesting. Both these books. Oh, let's get some books. Well, my wife's going to get. If I get more books, my wife's. I think it's divorce. I, I just uh, read them on my phone now. It's the craziest thing. I was waiting for my daughter at a dental appointment, doing some daddy Uber stuff this week, and I was just reading. I was finishing up reading the uh, Rotella book. But I, I would think with with Jordan Speed, it's kind of what happened to Bradley, and kind of what happened to Rory. Is it? You know, when they first came on, it was everything was easy. Yeah. And the thing about this game, the thing about life, you know, is that you're going to have periods where things aren't easy, you know. And, you know, that idea Marty said when I said, you know, you lean into the struggle. That's that's that page one of Buddha. Mm -hmm. You know, the the idea that human beings get frustrated, stressed and whatever, because they think every day is supposed to be perfect. It's not. And we seem to be surprised. You know, I got, I live right on a very busy street. I went to Yuck Yucks uh, Thursday night. And, uh, you know, I just never know. It's it's, 11, it's 12, 13 minutes, I should say, from this location. Sometimes it takes me 33 minutes. Mm. But a younger version of me used to lose my mind. Because I think maybe when you're younger, you don't expect it. You know, as we get older, hey, people and parents die. Shit happens. And so... The fact that it's going to take an extra 15 minutes, you're going to like, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. Where I think with those guys is that they the first sign of something, traffic being a little backed up, they start to go, wait a second, I thought it was just going to be easy peasy. And I think both of those guys are in a place in their career where it's not as easy as it once was. It certainly isn't easy for Jordan Spieth anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking... That was, by the way, a very long roundabout. I liked it. No, that was good. I, I stayed. I was in. I know, but, I, I'm, but I did. I'm starting to bore myself. No, you maybe started. <laughs> you always say that when you talk. When you judge, you talk I'm a lot. Judgy. Um, very yeah, well, judgy. Don't do that. I'm sorry. Um, I'm just going to talk like this now. Okay. <laughs> I'm Fraser Crane, and I'm listening. I'm listening. Here's what I was going to connect to, and I thought I was listening, but I also thought about this. Connecting. So when I was a, um, I was always. Deep into music, and Stan's having a very interesting dream. Stan's no, actually, Stan's getting very intimate oh, with oh. his uh, lower body region. He it's doesn't just, care. Who it's knows. just his knee. It's just his oh, knee. You missed it when he was a little bit lower than that. <laughs> anyway, so I, uh, as some people may know, I was a music critic. I wrote about music for a living for the Canadian Press News Agency and magazine. So I thought about musicians a lot. And what would often happen was first album. Bammo comes out, uh, just it's huge. It just, just basically, what's happened is that the first twenty years of their life, if you will, out in that one record, done great. Maybe a sophomore album, pretty good, but maybe third, not so great. And maybe they find it really hard to write it. Maybe they, one of the guys suffers a depression because now it's like, what does? it all means something and they have uh, an entourage of people who are with them uh, they have a certain standard of living they've got 
all these extra factors that weren't in play earlier. So I think this, I think their lives, like professional athletes, just like musicians, like business people, life starts to get a little bit more complicated. And if you can't find that calm port in the storm, that's right, you're going to have a hard time. Perfectly. I think that's amazing because you think about it. Jordan Spieth won like three majors in two years and then the attention and expectations and you become more self-conscious. That's what that means. It means, to, you know, you watch a little kids when they start as one of the guests say, you watch a kid and they go putting, they put it past. They don't care as they get more self-conscious. They become aware of all the extraneous things that become Aside from the fact of what they're doing, that's what happened to Spieth. And the media dissects everything that you right. do. Oh, uh, Jordan missed another cut. Oh, that's that's two out of three this but year. You know who it didn't happen to for a very long time was 14 majors in 10 years, Tiger. And then he yeah. hit the post. Uh, the hit that drove the car into the wall where the, the light the post fire was. fire hydrant. Fire hydrant, sorry. But then he did that. And then he became more self-conscious than he'd ever been in his life. Because prior to that, he had no, he was this Zen cyborg, you know, half Asian, half black, half whatever, uh, golfing oddity because he didn't have that. You know, we, Freddie and I in the Humble and Fred show often talk about the fact that, that McCartney and Lennon wrote 300 amazing songs before they were 30 and haven't written yesterday since. <laughs> like, there was some good stuff that McCartney wrote in the 70s and Lennon had the uh, double fantasy, but... Nothing as good as Sergeant Pepper ever again. It's because of what you just said. You know, they just become older, more expectations, self-conscious. They're not free and easy just going, you know, writing what they feel. I love that. The connection you made to, as you say, kids get on a putting green. It's not about what this means. Right. It doesn't mean how competent am I? What are the guys in the club going to think? What's the media going to think if I don't make the cut in this major and I miss the cut in the last major? Man, it takes an um, unbelievable amount of awareness to know, oh, this is going on. Is this serving me? No, then I can respond rather than react. Um, I think it's going to be... That's the hard stuff. It's going to be a tough year for... Uh, for Jordan Spieth. Um, I just wonder, did he make the cut? Oh, at the, so uh, we're, at the Sony? We're recording this is uh, during the Sony. Well, he shot 70. He shot three over in the first round, uh, which would have been a couple days ago. Yep, Spieth misses Sony cut. I'm tired of learning experiences. This is the headline. Spieth after missing Sony cut. I'm tired of learning experiences. Like, I'm telling you, man. Uh... And what did he shoot? He shot uh, three over 73 in the opening round and whatever the whatever it was in the second round. He didn't make the cut. Jordan Collis, I think we got you all figured out. And probably a thousand other <laughs> golf coach, instructor type people. Yeah. There's probably somebody in a garage somewhere who's invented something with a coat hanger. Oh, that'll, that'll fix it. <laughs> I'm that being of, said, get the smart ball, yeah. get the uh, snappy snap, the, the, the what's it called? Impact snap strap, plane, plane mate, and the plane mate. That sounds like something that. Uh, have you seen a, it though? I'll show you a yeah, video I, of I, it. I did, it's, I, yeah, it's got the thing attached in it. It shallows out your club path. Listen, we often talk at the end. There's there's basics of the golf swing, and uh, 
Mike Hebron said something interesting too. He said, you know, if somebody's got a flat plane, rather than show them how to fix it, you ask them, you consider maybe swinging really high. And then what, you know, it's all that feel is real. Oh, yeah. Well, Sam Sneed, someone said to Sam, what do you do when you hook it? I go slice it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I'm really interested in redefining my relationship with golf this year to see if that might serve me better. And maybe, you know, that could be the discussions coming up. Um, all right. Thanks very much to uh, TaylorMade. As always, big supporters of ours. And uh, hopefully we'll continue. You know, we need golf clubs. I haven't... Uh, and Adidas. Adidas. I haven't really uh, heard much about the uh, M5, M6 stuff. Although I did read an interesting article that a lot more tour players and high-level amateurs are going at their performance enhancement clubs in the three, four, five. Mm. Like even I saw a thing about Ricky Fowler starting to use a uh, what would look like a game improvement club, like a big cavity back, big thing? cavity back uh-huh. for his longer irons. He's mm-hmm. like, hey, why not? Why not I want. I'm going down to the PGA show. So yeah, wh- talk to me about that. What's going on with you? Well, you going down there? I am, I am. Just going to um, walk around and give out cards? What do you do? Well, I do this workshop. It's called Getting Unstuck. Love it. And uh, so what I do is it's a, an evening, two and a half hour workshop that I do with the with the host pro. So he gets some money in his pocket. Oh, nice. It's an incentive. But it's just basically go in. It's an experiential workshop where people can talk about what their game is and then we do some exercises and things like that around awareness and around the stories they tell themselves and just so they can get kind of a jump start on the golf season nice and so the reason i'm going to the pga show one of the key reasons is to i know i can't go like 20 feet without bumping into somebody i know there and just talking about them and you know booking a lot of these workshops and and sharing a lot of mo norman stories um uh, particularly when it comes to to playing this game better, they're called Moisms. Right. All the, Mo had these great sayings, and my one of my favorite is the play with an alert attitude of indifference. Yes, like I that, said that before. I love that. That phrase is just packed with wisdom from Mo. So, so you're going to go to this show? I've never been there. I've you know. Oh, it's, it's amazing. I've it's never a, been. I'd love to some year. The world of golf industry comes to Orlando, to the Orange County Convention Center. And it's so big. I've heard it described this way. You could take the Statue of Liberty and lay it on its side. You'd still have room to mess around in. I mean, you could walk. It's like you walk acres and you walk through from one end. It's uh, all the golf company, golf club companies and the and the balls and the golf gadgets. And then it's you could walk through the. Uh, How many days do you spend there, by the way, if I may ask? Like a couple days? Four. Wow. Yeah, the f- first day is the Tuesday. That's the demo day at Orange County National. That's what I was talking to Marty about. And that's they have the circular range there. Yeah, yeah, it's so, wild. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so all the companies set up their wares, the golf, you know, golf training aids, golf clubs, you name it. You got something to hawk, you're there. And so people can try it out. Mm. And then it moves indoors to the Orange County Convention Center. And it's a trade show. Yeah, yeah. Although the Joe Average you, or Jane, you can get in there if you know a bud who can get you accredited. Oh, and you have to have, you can't, it's not open to the public. It's just no, open to the golf industry. Right, nice. exactly. And then, um, so it, it, what's so cool to me about it is that everyone's got their newest stuff, you know, Callaway's new club, like TaylorMade. I'm looking forward to seeing the TaylorMade speed-injected M5 driver. 
That's I'm interested I, to yeah, see. I how want that some works. speed injected into my drivers here. Yeah, I, I want it injected elsewhere too. But, um, <laughs> the the thing is, well, is that I'm fast enough in that area. For sometimes three. too fast. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought it was a compliment to the chef. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yes, and um, the whole show, the the whole PGA show is, is just it's incredible. Um, how the golf world industry comes together. Yeah, I'd love it. And it's really, it's really interesting. It's a, it's kind of if you put that on your. I want to, you know, I want to do that because I, I would yeah. love to go nerd out with you for three or four days in yeah, Orlando. That'd be fun. We could, you know what? We could do a couple podcasts from there. I see golf shows do it all the time. I'm sorry, I should have thought. Why are we? Why are you? I know. Who are you going with? Sorry. Why don't you ask me? I would have gone. When is it? Um, it's January twenty second to twenty. Fifth. Yeah, well, listen. Man. I'm going by myself. And Next I, year, that's my birthday weekend. <gasps> Next year for my 60th, I want to go to that show. That's a big... Yeah, as you enter oh, your no, seventh... I can't. Well, because I, there's going to be some other stuff. Going. I want to go. You have people, like, <sighs> people who love you who want to celebrate want to do you. shit with me. Um, yeah. Okay, well, listen. Report back. I will. And uh, maybe there's a... Uh, that would be a... What an opportunity to uh, to do our show there. Yeah, that'd be fine. We'll, you know what? We'll plan on that. Because we'll, we'll be over probably... We'll this, be close this to 100. A, this was 80. I'd say we're, we'll, we'll, be, be, we'll, we'll be over that. Yeah, oh, my God. Gosh, we'll be it's over be 100. Mo- we'll pee. be millennial. Okay, we got to stop because I have to pee. All right. Well, listen, that was quite a uh, session, everybody. Thanks to uh, Mike Hebron. Uh, go check out uh, some of the stuff he was talking about. And uh, thanks to TaylorMade Adidas. Thanks to Tour Striker. And uh, we'll see you soon. Band is blowing Dixie, double ball time. You feel alright when you hear the music.